guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 171. And as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. So before we get into this episode, we don't often ask people to leave a review on the podcast, but considering it is Christmas time, might as well ask for your review on the podcast. We'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating. Um, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And yeah, we appreciate everyone who's already left a five-star review. Yeah, absolutely. Because it really does help this podcast grow. And, you know, recently we actually just celebrated our four-year TBD podcast anniversary, which is pretty nuts to think that four years ago, end of 2018, you and I were still two little noobs. <laughs> we were still just student dietitians who actually had a vision to be where we are today in terms of as bodybuilders, as coaches, to build a business. And four years later, lo and behold, you know, we have, have kept going with this podcast. And after we release this episode, this will actually be the 270th episode in the entire podcast library, which is pretty darn neat. Yeah, it's amazing to think that we've been going on four years now and over 200 or about 270 episodes, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Spotify wrapped actually came out recently, too. And that was really cool to see those results as well, Jack, because it actually turns out that our podcast is in the top 5% of all podcasts followed on Spotify. And I believe Spotify now at the end of 2022 has upwards of maybe 4 million individual podcast channels and probably upwards of maybe like 60 or 70 or maybe even 80 million individual podcasts. So to be in the top 5% of that is pretty flipping nuts because you have to think bodybuilding nutrition, man, pretty niche compared to other podcasts like the news or true crime is really popular. Just science podcasts, mindset podcasts, like other sporting podcasts. But look, you know, quite a few people actually enjoy listening to uh, two aspiring bodybuilders talk about nutrition and dietetics. Yeah, it certainly is a niche and um, who knows, we might be able to keep climbing up those ranks. <laughs> Climb that to that 1%, you know, give Joe Rogan a run for his money. <laughs> mm. We'll ask him to come on TVD. Yeah, but if boy, we want Joe Rogan on, <laughs> I think it, that would definitely be a hit of a podcast. I'd like to have a chat with the guy. It's pretty cool. But yeah, guys, just a humongous thank you, honestly, to anyone who does tune into this podcast, who likes listening, who enjoys sharing it with their family, their friends, their loved ones, anyone who recommends it to other people, you know, anyone who just engages with us on TVD in any way. It seriously means the world because, like, you and I in real life our actual circle is pretty small. <laughs> so it's, it's always- quality over quantity. It is, you know, we definitely have a quality circle for sure. But the thing is, is that like, when you and I release these podcast episodes, the way that I see it, you know, is that we record the audio. Obviously it's something that we're very passionate about. We're proud for the episodes, but when you put it out there into the universe, you kind of just got to accept that from that point on, it's outside your control who chooses to tune in, who's actually going to enjoy the content. So it really does always just make me so happy to know that literally like thousands of people out there across the world actually just like listening to what we have to say. Yeah, well, uh, 
Here's to another year of podcasting with mm-hmm. TBD. And here's to our 270th episode. So today we are recording this on December 24th, 2022. And lo and behold, it is Christmas Eve. But heck, what better present from TBD than a podcast to our loyal listeners? I guess it's all we can really give as gifts is either podcasts or we can give maybe TBD infographics on Instagram, but or free coaching <laughs> or free coaching. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we've already actually put out two infographics this week. So we pod- could give Samuel Boston away as well. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No matter how much someone would offer to pay, they are ours forever. Even if we have to have them cloned in the future. <laughs> But it is Christmas Eve, guys, and you know, I think that's pretty appropriate to do a little bit of a Christmas segment on this podcast. So last year, we actually did something kind of similar, but I thought this would be fun again because, you know, Christmas time, Jack, I think that everyone around the planet who's getting together with their families and they're celebrating, it's not uncommon for people to get a little bit overwhelmed or a little bit anxious about Christmas food and the fact that it's going to be a lot of indulgent food in just like ample amounts. And if they have health and fitness goals, sometimes that can make them a little bit trepidatious. Yeah, for sure. It's certainly something that is flogged on social media to a very large extent. And there's always camps on either side of the spectrum Mm. in terms of like tracking macros to the gram on Christmas day and not partaking in Christmas food. And then there's going to be the other side of the spectrum, which is encouraging as much food and drink as you want Mm because it's only one day. So yeah, I think each to their own in that respect. Like I think it's always important just to look at things on an individual level and do what makes you happy, but also do what makes you happy the following day. Mm. And I think it's always important to make food decisions in advance or in reflection of what's going to happen the day after or the days after, mm-hmm. not but, just in the moment. But, you know, you and I as online coaches this past week, checking in with multiple clients, a topic of discussion was Christmas Day. Like, what do you and your family have planned on that day? Because again, it usually is a day of celebration and a lot of food and everything. But I think a big point to get across is that like, don't make food the sole focus of the day. We can't lose the plot and actually forget what Christmas is all about. It's actually a really nice day where people can wind down, get together with family members and loved ones that they probably haven't seen for a good long while. Especially now this past year, the international travel has opened up. A lot of people have been able to return overseas finally for Christmas. Like I know a number of people here in Australia who have been able to fly like back to Europe, back to the US to spend time with family members, which is absolutely lovely. And my brothers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your brothers are coming over from the UK, which is really cool. And boy, like it's just, it's a day for just being with your loved ones, but also like you can give presents and just enjoy that feeling that when you surprise someone with a gift and you get to see the smile on their face. But of course, We can't be just naive to the fact that, of course, there's going to be some pretty calorically dense, indulgent food in ample amounts surrounding us too, which really that's what makes people a little bit anxious, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. I've been there myself. I've been had Christmas days where I intentionally used it as an option or an opportunity to overindulge and then restrict the following day. 
and that's not very pleasant. And having done that once, I definitely won't be doing that again. Mm. Um, this year, for myself, like I won't be tracking macros. Like I'll just be ensuring that I have a good time socializing. I'll kind of eat whatever I want on Christmas Day while obviously still being cognizant of like the amount of calories I'm consuming because that's who I am. It kind of defines me as a person. Mm. So, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to have some ice cream and plum pudding at the end of the day. And I'm not going to restrict either before it. I'm still going to have my regular breakfast, so on and so forth. Mm. So, yeah. That's why I think it's really important too to not necessarily get into that all or nothing mindset and like approach Christmas Day as if it's really any different to any other social event that involves a good amount of food. Because, guys, like Christmas isn't the only social event of the year. Like it comes, things come around all the time, you know? Sometimes you'll have a wedding, you'll have a friend's birthday party at a Mexican restaurant, you'll go away for a weekend at a work event and they've got buffets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You go on a holiday, there's Easter, there's Thanksgiving. Christmas ain't the only one. So it's a matter of like, don't build it up to be so much more than it actually is. Chill out <laughs> and don't build it up to be this huge event that needs to just like freak you out in just an unnecessary sense and just be really unnecessarily fearful of holiday weight gain or let's say Christmas weight gain. So that's why we actually wanted to uh, put a few numbers into perspective so that people can rest assured that it's actually quite difficult to actually gain a substantial amount of tissue weight in the form of adipose tissue on your body from overindulging for one day at Christmas. So Jack, let's put these sort of things into some numbers. So as we know, one kilogram of adipose tissue, which is a fancy word for body fat on your body, is equivalent to about 7,700 calories eating in excess above your maintenance calories. So that's just first things first to put there. Above your maintenance. The average person has a maintenance of upwards of maybe 2,000 calories. So that means on the one day, you would have to eat upwards of probably 9,700 calories to even actually be getting close to an extra kilogram of body fat. Mm. <laughs> so that's the first thing. So let's think about some common Christmas foods. So I think a big one here, definitely, especially in Australia, is Christmas ham. So I've got some numbers for you guys. The average Christmas ham, if you don't include the bone, because we're not really into that. <laughs> Even though it's a good source of calcium and cartilage, I don't know many people who actually gnaw. Bone marrow. On, it is a good source of bone marrow too. Uh, I don't know many people who actually gnaw on the bone, but the meat- Other than liver king. Good stuff. <laughs> so the average Christmas ham without the bone is actually gonna weigh about five kilograms. And 100 grams of that Christmas ham, macros wise, is gonna have about 17 grams of protein, five grams of fat, and two grams of carbohydrates, which comes out to be about 111 calories. Now that means that the entire ham, five kilograms worth of meat, that still is only 5,500 calories. That's not even close to the 7,700 you would need to eat in excess to actually gain a kilogram of body fat, which is absolutely wild. But hell, let's say that you did go ham, on the ham, you would actually be taking in 
850 grams of protein, 125 grams of fat, and 100 grams of carbohydrates. And 850 grams of protein, that is enough protein if you split it up into like 25 gram servings to stimulate muscle protein synthesis 34 times. So if you were to eat an entire Christmas ham, you could stimulate muscle protein synthesis 34 times. That's over a week's worth of protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. If you were, that's across like eight and a half days. Mm. So that's a lot of protein. That's a lot of ham, but rest assured, if you were capable of doing that one, I'd be very impressed, but also even from that, you wouldn't actually gain a kilogram of body fat. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Well, plus the thermogenic effect of protein <laughs> as well. Plus you probably wouldn't be absorbing that much. A yeah. lot of it would be coming out the other end. But I will, you know, phrase that you won't gain a kilogram worth of body fat from that. But acutely, we have to think the scale would be artificially elevated, right? You would well, you're definitely literally see putting five kilos of yeah, food bulk. In exactly. Your body. So five kilograms worth of actual food matter into your body. But, and you have to think about Christmas ham, man, the amount of sodium in that. Think about how thirsty you would be mm. from, I didn't actually. You'd be too full to drink anything. Ah, uh, yeah. God, I don't know. Like, you know, competitive eaters out there, that would be a Christmas edition mm. for sure. I wonder if they've ever done that. We'll have to YouTube it, but they must have. I didn't look up the amount of sodium actually in five kilos of Christmas ham. You guys Google that. It's probably like five kilos of sodium. <laughs> it's, it would be a lot. Let's just say that. I think your electrolyte balance would be a little bit out of whack there and your stomach would be very full of protein. But either way, you'd probably step on the scale the next day and be like, holy crap. <laughs> and then you probably would pass a very large bowel movement like a carnivore. <laughs> but after that, you know, if you just went back to normal for a few days, things would subside. Mm. So Jack, you've got another one, you know, a common Christmas food that people usually eat. Yeah. So I've done prawns and I've just had to go off some averages here because obviously some prawns are big, like the tiger prawns or the king prawns, and then some are smaller. So I've said around one prawn has about 20 grams of meat on it. So therefore in order to get around like 7,700 calories worth of prawns, it's around 7.2 kilos of just prawn meat alone. <laughs> Damn. Um, so you'd probably need to like multiply that by a third to actually get then the actual total amount of prawns. Yeah, that is a so lot of peeling. So close to 10 kilos of prawns in general. And then that equals around like 350 to 400 individual prawns. Wow, okay, that is a lot of prawns. Mm. Boy, but... Heck, like that, I guess that would be technically a bit more macro friendly than the ham, right? Because prawns are basically just pure yeah, protein. It's, it's still only like about 100 grams of fat. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> which is in proportion to the calories. It's pretty insignificant. Yeah. Very high protein there. So mm. again, we got, we got ham sweats. We got prawn sweats. We definitely got the protein meat sweats going on here. <laughs> and I think you did a dessert next. I did do a dessert next. So this probably isn't too common over in North America. Well, even I know that, you know, being from Canada and celebrating a lot of Christmases in Canada and the USA. But over here in Australia, they have this thing called pavlova and it is a quite a common Christmas dessert. But pavlova, it's like this kind of like lightweight, just 
would you call Egg it a cake? Yeah, it's it's like a meringue with a bunch of cream and they put some fruit on top. Personally, never been a fan. No, it's but rubbish. A lot of people they really vibe it. But heck, okay, so your average pavlova. You're basically eating icing sugar, really. Yeah, it's just super sweet and it's just it's got that it's just like I don't know, it just disintegrates in mm. your mouth because it's Plus, so by the time light. you get to the fruit, the fruit's all like dank. It's all like soggy and mixed with the the stuff inside. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, some people, they really like it. But your average pavlova, the act, I, I still don't actually know if pavlova is its own thing or is pavlova an actual t- variety of cake? I'm not sure. I'm not the yeah. right person to ask. No, okay. <laughs> but either way, let's just say your average pavlova, the whole thing only weighs about 650 grams, which doesn't sound like very much. But again, we have to remember that like, there's just a lot of air in this thing. So even 650 grams is still a decent like volume worth of dessert. But one serving of pavlova is again, it's only like 65 grams worth of like an actual slice, which that too sounds pretty pathetic when you think about like, what does 65 grams of cooked chicken breast look like? It's a tiny little portion, but 65 grams worth of pavlova, eh, a decent slice, I guess that you could say. But one slice of pavlova, you'd be looking there at about 24 grams of carbs, eight grams of fat, and two grams of protein. So it's about 176 calories. Now again, to hit 7,700 calories worth of pavlova, you would need to have 44 slices, which each weigh about 65 grams. Or to do simple math, you'd need about 2.86 kilograms of pavlova. Oh, mm. your blood sugar, mate. Dude. <laughs> oh, I just, again, it's, it's the texture. It's weird. It's like, it's almost like cotton candy. Like you put something in your mouth and it just like, it disintegrates. It just kind of disappears and melts away. Mm. Yeah. It's very strange. But yeah, if you were to buy an average pavlova to hit 7,700 calories, you would need to eat four and a half of those. Like these big pavlova mm. cake things. So if it's that's- It's kind of low, isn't it? Only four and a half. <laughs> four and a half cakes. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot of sugar. Again, like God, the headache. Well, I mean, if they use strawberries, it would have been slightly lower calorie. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You're right. Just, just choose the lowest calorie berry there and mm. um, you know, it's healthy. <laughs> so this next one is alcohol. Uh, since I think many people are partaking in a beverage over Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I chose Corona beers. Um, I don't, not a big fan of Corona beers myself. <laughs> Even just the way that you say it, I, I can just sense it's, it's been so long since you've drunk alcohol. Mm. I think you and I both haven't drunk since like 2017 at a uni ball. So over well, five I'm years. I'm saying Corona like I say coronavirus. I think that's why. Corona beers. <laughs> I think the last time I had um, a Corona might have been in 2014. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm not big on alcohol, but I'm definitely not big on beer. Mm. But either way, if you do like a beer, you know, a nice cold crisp beer. With some prawns. Yeah, with some prawns and a slice of lemon or lime. How many of those would we have to uh, drink to get a kilogram of body fat on our frame? So I went off 350 mils, which I believe is like a fairly standard glass mm-hmm. bottle of beer, and it's 148 of them. 148 bottles of beer on the wall (laughs) and that would also equal like 837 grams of alcohol as well wow okay so 
if there... you'd be dead <laughs> before you probably even reached half of that amount. <laughs> and you'd probably have hyponatremia as well. So guys, like gaining some Christmas weight is the least of your worries. Like we just got pretty morbid. You just died. <laughs> 148 beers. Yes. Wow. God. Like, you know, you hear some people like that, like a big night is like if they go like drink 20 beers or something Mm. like that. But 148. God, I just, I think about your poor bladder. God, how many times Mm. do you go Well, that's why I said you would would get hyponatremia. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, guys. Okay. That's a lot of beer. Um, okay. Well, I've got one last one and heck, you know, speaking of fruit, speaking a little, a bit being on the more health conscious side, a pretty popular fruit to eat here in Australia at Christmas time is a cherry. So (laughs) cherries, an average cherry is five grams and your average cherry only has half a gram of carbohydrates and it's only about three calories. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit less energy dense than our previous like ham and prawns and the beer and the pavlova, but heck, you know, everything adds up, right? So if you had 7,700 calories worth of cherries, that would come out to be 2,567 individual cherries. <laughs> Now, if these cherries all weigh five grams each, that comes out, you know, top of the podium for food volume, Mm. 12.8 kilograms worth of cherries. Is that including the seeds? Uh, No, that's just including the cherry flesh. Mm. But what I can say is good luck. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be very expensive. Cherry is one of the most expensive fruit types. Yeah. 12.8 kilos. Mm. Yeah, there you go. A lot of anthocyanins, though, in there. But yeah, what tart cherry juice, right? Like your dietary nitrates would be absolutely through the roof. Cherry-flavored things have probably got to be one of the worst flavored. Like, Mm. isn't Dr. Pepper cherry? Dr. Pepper's amazing. You like Dr. Pepper? Oh, I love Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite soft drinks when I, I guess, used to drink soft drink, like, as a kid. Is Dr. Pepper and Iron Brew the same flavor, or are they different? Or is Iron Brew more like licorice? I don't know how to answer that question, but all I well, can no, root, say... What about root beer? No, they're very different. Okay. Yeah, so, but Dr. Pepper, good stuff. But some people get amongst, like, the cherry ripe candies. Well, I like those, yeah. But even, like, the the uh, sugar cherry that you get on the top of the cake, mm. I'm not a big fan of that flavor, personally. Mm. But I do like normal cherries. Yeah, but, Jack, okay, I've, I've got a question for you, then. If you had to pick one of these, right? You can't do a combination. <laughs> if you if you really wanted to get more junk in the trunk, you were determined to get a little bit more body fat on you, <laughs> and one kilogram was a go, would you pick? We said the five kilograms worth of ham still didn't even come out to be 7,700 calories. Mm. So I think you'd actually need to have closer to either seven kilograms of ham, or you would need to have 148 beers, or you would need to... I, know, have... I, I would pick the pavlova. The pavlova? It would be the easiest to eat. It was the, it's the, mo- the least voluminous choice. Yeah, you're right. 2.86 kilograms worth of pavlova. Mm, I could eat that in, a, in an hour or two. <laughs> Man, but... Oh, wow. I, I honestly think I'd have to go for the ham. Mm. You say that, but until you're like three kilos in. I really think... Then... I think I could do it. I, I love protein. I love meat. <laughs> and I think that it would be the case of like, you know, just chowing it down. And then at the end, I'd sing a little lullaby and I'd be like, 
On the twelfth day of Christmas, my appetite gave to me meat sweats and calories. <laughs> Watch out, Michael Bublé. I am coming in for those number one Christmas album charts. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, there we go, guys. So I hope you can rest assured that uh, it's actually quite difficult to gain Christmas body fat. You literally have to go ham. You got to go crazy on the beers. You got to go absolutely loco on the pavlova. You have to be like a freaking fruitarian from another planet or <laughs> those prawns, man, like, boy, you, you got to get your fingers prepared for some peeling. Yeah. Well, as Lawrence said on his podcast, like people worry about Christmas, but they need to start worrying about the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But yeah, either way, guys, like just enjoy it and just actually enjoy the day. And if you're going to eat some food, just approach it like you'd eat any other meal. Be mindful, be present, actually taste the food, honor your hunger cues. And just remember that the whole entirety of Christmas and the day itself, it's a lot more than just about the food. It's actually being mm. around your family and your friends and uh, just about having a nice time. the money you spend on Christmas food. <laughs> It's about getting a really sweet kiss under a mistletoe. Right. Right? <laughs> and praying that in Australia, it doesn't rain that day. Mm. Hey. <laughs> yeah, and then there's also how many calories Santa has to eat as well. It's just selfish to think of ourselves yeah. when we got to think of Santa. One like equals one prayer for Santa, given how many freaking cookies he has to eat and how many sneaky bathroom breaks he has to take at all these houses that he's, you know, sliding down the chimney in, mm. right? Because he's drinking so much milk. Dude, that guy's bladder would be going all night. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he just pees on the sleigh, you know? <laughs> kind of like how when you're, on an, when you're on an airplane, you know, people are like, oh, you know, when you flush the toilet, they just chuck it out the airplane and God knows it goes over the ocean. Santa, you know, he probably just lets it blow in the wind. Like, luckily the reindeers are in front of him, right? So it's not going to hit, mm. you know, Rudolph in the eyes and go, ah, I can't see. <laughs> and then they crash and then you don't get your presents. <laughs> Is Santa visiting you tonight? Uh, we actually have two fireplaces, but our house doesn't have a chimney. So he's either going to have to take the front door. The dogs might bark, but um, yeah, mm. <laughs> either way. But no, like if he does visit, he, he actually might be thankful. He won't be disappointed. He'll be thankful. He'll be like, oh, thank God. These guys don't expect me to eat cookies. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's bananas on the counter, but sorry. It's protein bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that Christmas edition. And uh, yeah, just rest assured that you will be just fine, you know, and you'd actually be have to go to a serious effort to gain a substantial amount of body fat on that one day. Mm. Wonder how many uh, cal how many glasses of olive oil it would be to reach 7,700. Mm, yeah, well, uh, like that would be the least volume and most calorically dense one. Mm. But yeah, you'd be someone be cleaning up a mess on aisle <laughs> six because that's someone's just puking up olive oil. <laughs> okay, well, moving on to this next question. Jack, this was an interesting one. So it says, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever given? Not the best, the worst piece of advice. So you got to be honest. And not one that we've been given, but one that we've one given that, out. One that you've given, something that you've preached and you're like, oh God, I should have kept my trap shut. Honestly, nothing really stands out to me because I've always been pretty uh, careful with what I say mm. out loud. 
And it would probably just have to be something that I told myself like when I first started getting into lifting. And that was just a fairly boring one, unfortunately, but just main, maintaining too low of a body fat year round and trying to pursue that while also trying to gain muscle at the same time. And that led to disordered eating. It also led to me making very little progress in the gym, both strength wise and muscle wise as well. And I just remember being quite frustrated a lot of the time with my progress and also getting jealous of other people who I would train more often, I would train harder than them, and yet I would make less progress than them. So mm. yeah, I think that would, I think I'm sure many people are in that boat as well, both males and females. So leading into 2023, like hopefully that's something you can look at carefully mm. yourself and just ensure that you're fueling your body appropriately for the work that you're doing. So how long were you stuck in that trap for or under the impression that you could make lean gains? And where did that actually notion actually stem from? Uh, I don't think it really stems from any way, anywhere. I think it just stemmed from a place of body dysmorphia and trying to maintain a lean physique and also kind of aspiring to look like certain people who were obviously in certain phases of their journey where they'd cut down from a bulk and then are looking leaner and then giving off the impression that they could maintain that long term. And I was probably doing it from almost when I started lifting, which was like in 2012, 2013 to 2016. And then interestingly, that was the year I met you. And then probably from January 2016 was when I decided to like actually commit to a surplus. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, like the amount of, cause I'm someone who adapts quite quickly to a certain point and like I was quite astounded by how much food I was able to eat and um, that's honestly when I probably started tracking like quite quite rigorously mm. and yeah haven't really looked back since that's kind of when I would say I first started bodybuilding properly um, before that it was more so just general resistance training mm. and it's interesting how you said like it stemmed from like a place of body dysmorphia and obviously you always wanted to look on the leaner side but then when i reflect upon like these past six and a half years that you and i have been together and even the years prior to that isn't it interesting that when we were in that mindset of always trying to maintain or just have a very lean physique we actually hardly took photographs of ourselves, or like videos mm. or like physique updates because it was the case of like you're always in that mindset of oh like I'm, I'm just not good enough to actually capture this on film but now you and I just freaking vibe our improvement season bodies and it's the case of like over time the more weight that we've actually gained on our frames the more confident that we've been in terms of sharing that and actually documenting it I always think that's actually quite interesting right because it's almost like now we're in a mindset of like I'm actually more proud to actually show off something that's heavier and a little bit thicker in a sense mm. but a hell of a lot stronger and something that i'm genuinely a lot more proud of and one something that is actually going to result in my long-term physique goals too yeah i wouldn't say i share it because i'm proud of like showing off that oh look i've i've gotten thicker mm. i'm also just showing it off because that's what bodybuilding's about mm. Mm. yeah if i wasn't if i wasn't a bodybuilder i don't think i would be sharing mm. Like if I was a soccer player and I had an Instagram and I was like the soccer building dietitian mm. or the, the football dietitian, like I wouldn't be sharing as many physique updates. But I just mean like you are personally more motivated and I know that I am too throughout the improvement season to document it, to take a photo here or there and be like, damn, you know, like 
all of this time and energy and love and passion I'm investing into this, like it's really starting to pay off. Like it's, it's very cool compared to prior, you know, when you're just always look like a bit of a string bean, like you're just like, ah, I don't really like, I don't really want to take a photo of this, but mm. like, you're still in that headspace of like, but I'm not going to make a change. I'm just going to keep living in this body anyway. Yeah. So thank God times have changed. What about you then? Boy, the worst piece of advice I've ever given. So <laughs> I think I'll, I've definitely given this to myself, but I will put up my hand and admit that I have given it to other people too. So I am actually ashamed to say that as someone now who aspires to build a massive tush and I want a lot of junk in the trunk and muscle fibers on my glutes to hypertrophy and I help a number of girls who want the exact same goal. <laughs> I used to actually be that person who shunned the hip abduction and the adductor machine. And this was when I was much younger, very new to the field. So when I was in my second year of uni, that's actually when I did my PT degree and I got a job at UQ Sport at that time I was only 20 years old and I would do personal training consultations I had PT clients you know I did a whole bunch of fitness consultations with people at the gym and of course I trained there myself too almost every day and people would ask me the question like what about that machine over there like you know can I include hip abductions or adductions in my program or can we do that during our session and I would always just tell them like honestly don't bother that thing is just such a waste of time because in my mind <laughs> that machine was just absolute junk volume because like my impression of that machine it was in the very corner of our gym and all I ever saw was just a uni student sitting on their phone texting just abducting their legs out or adducting their legs in it hardly looked like they were working at all and at that time, remember this was like 2016, 2017, like people were still under the impression that you would use that machine to tone your thighs. Mm. <laughs> but I was telling them, I was like, no, if you wanna build your glutes, you gotta do hip thrusts, you gotta do lunges, you gotta do squats. Don't waste your time on that thing. <laughs> but now a hell of a lot more educated. Well, I mean, you were mainly correct. I was mainly correct, but at the same time, I just didn't know any better. But also at that time too, like through university, I knew what abduction and adduction meant. I knew that abduction meant moving a limb away from the midline of your body. And adduction means moving a limb toward the midline of your body. By the way, guys, if you actually wanna remember the difference between abduction and adduction, what I always think is like, adding right you're adding your legs together so if you're sitting on the adductor machine you're bringing your legs together abducting meaning pushing away from the midline i always think like abs out <laughs> for some reason i'm like if you've got a nice six pack like chuck your abs out like show them off <laughs> mm. but either way like i used to kind of shun people away from that but now over these past number of years i've learned better i know better and gosh, like one, if you want nice round 3d glutes and you really want to help develop like your glute meads and the upper shelf and like really just give yourself these, these really nice spheres and planets at the back doing abduction right. work. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Like insert that planet emoji in the rocket that you always see on Instagram. Oh, and two peaches too, of course. Oh, and maybe some fire. <laughs> I think it's just one peach because a peach has that line down the middle. That's true. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, if you grow a butt so big, like those wellness girls on the Olympia stage, mm -hmm. I think 
that could warrant two peaches. Yes. <laughs> but that's something that I've just learned is that if you truly want to develop your glutes, you need to be including some abduction work. And it's not just obviously for the aesthetics, you know, or like the shape of that actual muscle group. It's for your strength too. Like having strong abductors and adductors, right? Like an adductor is obviously like, if you want to develop really impressive quads from the front and you don't want a thigh gap, that's what I'm chasing. Like I want thick thighs that could maybe save someone's life one day, or like, you know, like thighs that could definitely save my phone from falling in the toilet if I'm texting and then it slips and I'm like, oh, thank God I do my adductions. <laughs> like no, there's no gap there. Um, if you want impressive quads from the front and you know, just a, a nice rear shot, if you just want thicker thighs, do some adduction work. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like I'm playing men catch stand up. up though, yeah. While pissing, so like there's no matter how thick your thighs are as a guy, you mm. won't save your phone if you drop it. Yeah, okay. Well, no, what, what about if you're doing a number two? Yeah, that's that's a different story. Okay, well, it's still a story. It's still like usually, you know, well, it's not 50% of the time unless you've got, you know, GIT issues. But um, it still happens, I mm. hope, for health reasons. Yes, let's move on. <laughs> that you're going to the bathroom. But either way, I've learned... Like, and that is something that I used to give advice on is don't waste your time doing abductions and adductions. Now it's something that I program super regularly and basically all my programs, I can confidently say that because it's really important, but even for myself too, like that's a big physique goal of mine to develop more developed, stronger adductors and abductors. Mm, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly adductors for me. I actually heard Lawrence one time on his podcast refer to it as something I'd never heard this before, but some people call them good girls and bad girls. Mm, surely you've heard of that before. <laughs> Not until Lawrence mentioned it and I had a serious giggle. I was like, hee hee oh, that's so true. <laughs> Open it up or shut it up. <laughs> All right, well, boy, yeah, wow, we're going on 40 minutes now. So Jack, I think it's about time we wrap up this podcast, but... I want to know, to finish off, what is something that you learned this week? So I might be stealing something that you were thinking about, but Tierra and I have started fishing recently. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of stuff I've learned in there, just about the type of lures to buy and whether you use lures or bait or whether you fish on an incoming or outgoing tide or at high or low tide. So a combination of things around fishing. If I had to pick one thing, probably... Not to fish at the extreme of either high tide or low tide. You either, either want to fish um, when the tide's going in or out, mm. preferably when it's overcast as well. Mm. And preferably morning too, rather than the afternoon, because as it gets hotter throughout the day, generally the wind picks up a bit. And or late um, afternoon. Uh, yeah. Especially where we live, it's quite windy. Yeah, yeah it's just because there's no fun casting into the wind because you're just like, mm. oh God, if I get too much of a breeze, like I'm going to get a hook in my own eye. Yes. <laughs> my own cheek. <laughs> but fishing, I feel like fishing for you and I or fishing for bodybuilders, that is such a good hobby. 
you know? Because like, I feel as though with fishing one, when you cast out, obviously there's that unknown. You don't actually know if you're gonna catch anything, but it's addicting in the sense, similar to how when you're continuously going to the gym, like it's like you're putting in all this effort and time and investment, just like on the verge of hope that it's going to pay off in the long run. So you might have that delayed gratification and you don't see the results immediately either. Like you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed in that one session or in that one fishing trip to catch a big fish or when you go to the gym to immediately, yeah, get a PB or immediately grow a, you know, a muscle group to be significantly bigger, but you do it because you genuinely love it and you enjoy it. And just over time, you know, you just continue to learn, refine and master your craft. And then hopefully all that effort invested compounds. And then we do catch a fish or we do grow some big rigs. So (laughs) I think it's a matter of, it's the patience, it's the delayed gratification. And um, yeah, it is, it is a bit of like, Ooh, like, is it going to happen sort of thing? But you just have to have that really strong sense of like hope and sense of belief. And I don't know, maybe that's, that's a little bit too. Reading too far into Reading too far into fishing or, you know, just relating to bodybuilding to fishing. Yes, I agree. (laughs) What did you learn though? Something that I learned again this week is actually a way to, once again, just when I think I've really mastered something, I find another level. So you and I both love cream of wheat. It's definitely got quite a few points up there compared to cream of rice. Sorry, Lawrence, sorry, DY, but not really like make it properly and you will properly understand why cream of wheat is superior. But in the past, like I've just been making cream of wheat by just blending wholemeal wheat flour, cocoa, a bit of cinnamon, a little bit of protein powder, a little bit of sweetener, and you just blend that with a stick blender and microwave it. But recently I've discovered how to actually make peanut butter cream of wheat because you and I are both affiliated with Marmadukes, which is like a natural PB powder company. So use the code TBD10 for a discount from Marmadukes. But what I've been doing instead is I've been just blending 100 grams of wholemeal flour and then 20 grams of the Marmadukes PB powder. And then I blend in 10 grams of chia seeds as well. Blend that with about 600 milliliters of water. Use a stick blender so it's really nice and smooth. And then microwave it for like four or five minutes. But it makes peanut butter cream of wheat. It's so good. Yeah, it's um, amazing texture, amazing taste. Why couldn't you just put real peanut butter in there? I don't think that would be the same texture. 20 grams of real peanut butter, because it's the powder and because it's primarily the protein. Um, So it's the texture wise, rather than just adding normal whey protein powder, actually adding the PB powder, protein powder. It's really freaking good. Mm, Yeah. I'll have to try it. Yeah, and if fats are higher, put some actual peanut butter then on top. But either way, the taste is very nice. Mm. I mean, the way you used to make cream of wheat, like I can understand why people might not like it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of just like having plain oats, like oats with no flavor. Yeah, but I like plain oats, you know? Like, yeah, you get to a point where like you cook, respect. you literally just cook like 100 grams of oats with like 900 milliliters of water, let it sit out on the counter for like a few hours so it really retrogradates. You know, you've been dieting long enough, those things taste sweet. Do you think you could have opened an oat cafe? Uh, nah, I'm too passionate about other things. Like I, it, those things are always nice ideas, but it's the case of like, let's be realistic. You know, let's set, someone else can do that. I'll just stick to my specialties and I might go there <laughs> or to be honest, I probably won't go there. I'll probably just keep making my own oats at home. By the way, like 
You, you diet long enough, plain oats, I'm telling you, you taste the monosaccharides in those oats. They're few and far between, but, um, You yeah. taste the gluten in them. <laughs> yeah, you take, even, there's, yeah, sure, there's tiny amounts well, of gluten the in point. them. Yeah, but yes, your taste buds fully exposed. But yeah, they're good. Great. Well, um, thank you everyone for listening to our, I guess this is a Christmas themed episode, even though we ended on fishing and oats <laughs> and cream of wheat. And our worst advice ever. Yes. So uh, if you enjoyed this one, again, it would mean a lot if you could leave us a five-star rating or review. And hope you guys have a great Christmas, a great New Year's as well. Hopefully we'll be doing another episode before we round this year out. And we'll catch everyone again soon. Bye.